Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to the Services of Faith Baptist Church located here south of Deport, Texas. And we're glad that you've tuned in and joined us here on uh, the Old Paths broadcast. I'm your pastor, Brother Brandon Teague, and, and uh, it's good to come to you today. And uh, thank you for joining us. And, and you're now in, in the service of Faith Baptist Church, and we're, we are approaching uh, message 138 in our sermon series, Getting to Know Jesus, which is based on where Jesus says in Matthew he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And we've been learning of Jesus, and we've been following him and walking with him and, and seeing as he healed every single one. Uh, we, we're, we're seeing as he rebuked the Pharisees. We've been there the whole way as they've tried to, to stop him. They've tried to be a deterrence for everything he's done. And yet he's continued right on. He's fulfilled every prophecy about him regarding him being the Messiah. And he is headed south out of Jericho. He came to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, had, a, had a big feast there with, with them and enjoyed their time there, testimony and fellowship. Got up the next morning and everybody began uh, this procession in town as, as Jesus sent his disciples to go and to loose the, the foal of a, of a donkey and, and bring her as well, the mother as well. They put, the, they put their coats on the, the, the donkey colt, and Jesus uh, was mounted upon, and he began riding into Jerusalem, and, and they began taking off their outer garments, and all the people, some 3,000 plus, throwing those outer garments in front of the donkeys and, and, and throwing down palm branches off the trees and, and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. And, and just giving God the glory and praising Jesus. And most of them there believed that when they got to Jerusalem, that he was going to go in and he was going to take his seat upon the throne of David and, the, and, and that the restoration of Israel would then begin and he would sit on the throne as king and put down all the enemies. And, and that was their idea. That was their belief, many of them. They, they did believe he was the Messiah at that point. Um, we'll see before the week is up, many of those people will be standing outside of Pilate's Hall shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And so, as you see, there are a lot of people who think they're going to follow Jesus but don't end up following Jesus. There, there's no fruit of a conversion there. And uh, so anyway... As we come to this morning's service, this morning's message, um, Matthew chapter 21, and, uh, and we're going to look there beginning with, uh, beginning with verse 10. And I probably am not going to read the entire uh, passage right now before we, before we get into it a little deeper. And uh, we're going to kind of set things up before we do this. One. There's a lot to this. There's probably about 10 messages that I could preach from this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to drag this, this passage out for, for 10 or 12 weeks. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to get everything in this morning that can be gotten in. And I'll try to do it without running a bunch of rabbit trails and dragging it out. You pray for me. And... Uh, and uh, I'll, 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 anyway, uh, I'm going to try my best. 
but anyway, we need this. We need this worse than we need to breathe or we need to eat lunch or we need to do anything else. We need to meet with God. Uh, I mean, let's think about all the burdens and stuff we face in this world today. We need God's presence. We need to hear from God's word. We need the balm of giving it to soothe our worried souls what we need. All right, so let's look this morning, and I just want to read two verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the message. The Bible said, and when he was come into Jerusalem, verse 10 there, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? I want to focus on that. Who is this? Who is this? And the multitude said, those 3,000 plus who were throwing their palm branches down and throwing their garments down and shouting Hosanna to the son of David, they said, this is Jesus. The prophet of Nazareth, of Nazareth of Galilee. And let's let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thankful that we we live and to serve Jesus of Galilee. Father, I'm thankful that I serve the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Lord, I pray this morning as we come to the scriptures, Lord, that you'll meet with us in a mighty way, that you'll pour out your spirit among us, within us, flood our souls with the through the power of the Holy Ghost, I pray this morning the Lord, the Scriptures would speak to us. Lord, that you reveal your presence to us. Lord, you reveal your will to us. Father, that you, you make known, Lord, our shortcoming and our need of you. Lord, that we, we take a look at our lives and we say, who is Jesus in my life? Who am I? Who am I in relation to him? And who is he in relation to me? That's a question every single listener ought to answer. And based on that answer, we need to realize what we need to do. Father, I pray you'd help me now. I'm just, I'm just flesh and, and blood, Lord. I'm in bone. I'm, I'm, I'm just clay held together by your grace. I need you to pour out your spirit upon me. Lord, I pray that you use and put your hand upon me. Lord, let this be a holy, precious time as we come together together around the word of God. I pray for every single soul. Lord, that you do and have your will and way in their life. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going we're to really be looking today at two different accounts of this. There's one in Luke as well. There's one in Luke 19, 45 through 47. If you want to write that down, look it up later for your own, for your own study. But this morning, primarily, like I said, we're going we're gonna to look at, uh, at Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 21. But... We're going to turn to Luke chapter 19, so if you want to go ahead and turn over there, I've got, I want to point out one thing before I begin. Jesus headed out, again, he headed out on that pole of an ass, the Bible says. He's riding, and he's riding from Bethany, riding into Jerusalem. It's 1.6 miles. Not a very long journey, but... It's still enough time that it's not a quick trip because he's riding on the, the foal of a donkey or not going fast, and people are taking their time. But while he's doing that, I want you to see what happens. In Luke chapter 19, 40 through 44, the Bible said, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. I think it's so that's the other time that the Bible records that Jesus wept. The first time was outside the grave of Lazarus when he saw the, 
the pain that was on the faces of those that he loved. And he saw the grief that was in their heart. But this is not Jesus acting in relation to the grief of others. This is Jesus acting in accordance to the indifference of others. He's reacting to the fact that his father poured out his love and his heart to these people. He's given everything to these people. He has done everything for these people, and they have rejected his love. They have rejected him. He knows as he rides in on that donkey, he knows as he comes in that they're giving him honor, but he knows that soon that honor will be taken away when they don't get what they want. Just like so many people today who come to church looking for something, looking for a place to take their kids to be entertained, looking for a place to come and be entertained themselves, looking for a place to, to fellowship and to eat, looking for a place to find business influence and, and help and, and social connections and, and just people to be around or whatever reason that they come or looking for attention, whatever reason they come, if it's not for Jesus, it breaks his heart because he gave his life's blood to pay the debt for their sins, and they only see him as just a resource to use and to throw away at their will and choosing. Jesus looked on the city, and tears began to roll down his cheeks as he realized how they reject. I realized, but as he thought upon and meditated upon how how they had rejected him, on how someday he'll sit on that throne. But right now, this whole city is going to turn on him like a pack of wolves. He wept. And he said this, he said in verse 42, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, if you just knew what was coming. And he's looking forward to that thousand-year reign. He's looking forward. He said, if you just knew today the things which belong unto thy peace. You know, we're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible says that. The Bible, listen, that doesn't mean we're praying for some peace summit to happen in Israel amongst leaders today, uh, ushered in by some American president. That's not the peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem is going to happen when Jesus Christ comes back on that white horse and not until that day. And that's what he's speaking of when he says, he said, if thou, if, if, if thou knew the things today would belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. You can't see it. And that's why he's weeping. He said, the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and shall compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground. They're going to level you. And thy children within thee, they're going to kill your children. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He said, because you did not know what's coming on this donkey. Your city is going to be laid waste. You say, what's he talking about? He's talking about what happened in AD 70. In AD 70, the Roman armies led by Titus. Between April 14th and August 30th of that year, the actual scene ended on the 8th of September, but the sacking and the temple destruction was on, the 8th, on August the 30th. 1.1 million people died in Jerusalem. You say, how many, why were so many people? When did it happen? It began April 14th. Guess what was going on during that time? 
Passover. It kept happening right as Passover was taking place. People came out of Babylon. People came out of Egypt. Jews came from all over the place, not knowing what was to happen, and entered into the city, and there they were. Maybe some of those same Jews who were there upon the Passover uh, some, some 40 years before who shouted, crucify him outside Pilate's gates. Maybe some of those people came back to the Passover again that year and were destroyed. They didn't have any idea that was going to happen to them. Josephus tells us about that account. 1.1 million people in Jesus something that happened. Jesus knew that was going to happen. Why? Because they rejected him. They turned their back on him. They didn't want him. So let's look this morning. Who is this? Who is this? That's the question this morning. That's the, the title of this message. Uh, there's so much more in it than I could ever bring out this morning, uh, but we're going to try our best. So I want us to, we're going to look at the events over three days. We're primarily, everything that's going to happen is we, as we, and again, we're, we are coming into the final week of Jesus, of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. Okay? So... We're, we're starting on Saturday with the triumphant entry. That takes place on Saturday morning as he rides in. And again, he weeps Saturday morning as he rides into Jerusalem. And if you read the account in Matthew, and this is what I'm talking about as far as I was talking about before we started, about a little bit of confusion when you're trying to read both gospel accounts at the same time. It's hard to know what happens when. It's hard to understand uh, just unless you're really uh, looking and really studying because, you know, when they said, who is this? And the multitude cried, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, Galilee. That was on Saturday morning when that took place, okay? But right after that in Matthew, you read, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast all him out of his soul and, and bought. But that's not the next thing that happened. That's not what happened on Saturday. That's not Saturday. That's on Sunday. So let's look. Let's look. And what happened on Saturday? So I want you to turn back over to Mark chapter 11. We're going to turn back and forth a number of times this morning. This is going to be more of a teaching message more than it is a, a, a fiery message. I want you to see this. There's, there's some proof we need to see. Okay? So what, the, what happened on Saturday? What happened right after he rode in on that, on that donkey? What happened when he got off that donkey? Well, the Bible doesn't go into a whole lot of detail, but it does tell us in Mark chapter 11 in verse 11. Okay, because right before that, you see in verse 9 and 10, and they went before, and they that followed, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, now in the evening, when the evening tide was come, he went out into Bethany with the twelve. That's all it says about the event. When he came in on that horse, on that donkey, he just went in. He walked around and he looked at everything that was going on. Can I tell you something this morning? God is intensively looking at everything that's going on in our life. Jesus came in. He did not move in action on Saturday. He's just looking around at everything that's going on. You say, well, God ain't, God ain't got on me about nothing. I'm doing fine. Well, maybe he's just looking around at everything you got going on. Maybe God hasn't brought any chastisement 
happened in your life yet. Hey, maybe, maybe it could be. Hey, it could be. Are you saved? If God hadn't dealt with you after your sins, are you saved? But listen, if you're a child of God and, and, and you're not doing what you ought to do, I want you to know that, that God is looking at everything that's going on in your life. So again, that's what he did on Saturday. He just simply looked around at everything, took it all in. What did he see? Jesus said he's walking around his father's house. He looks over. He sees people going this way, people going that way. They're carrying boxes. They're carrying baskets. They're carrying, oh, I don't know, carrying boxes. They didn't have, they didn't have boxes in the mail yet. They didn't have four million cardboard. But they had, they had baskets. They had different things that they had. They had crates. They had um, cages, maybe, that they had fashioned. So they were coming through, coming in and out with animals. They were coming in and out with bags of money. They were coming in and out. Uh, any ways that they could profit off of people that were coming in in droves and in Jerusalem. The money makers were out in the temple, and they were trying their best. I look at it this way. They were kind of like those people with six flags. And they were kind of like those people with Six Flags or Hollywood or wherever you go, they stuck with the name, SeaWorld, whatever. And, and when you went into the temple, there were people there who were just trying their best to get all the money they could out of it, taking advantage. And, and Christ just walks around and looks at all. He walks around and he looks at the vain, empty religion that has become of his father's house. He just takes it in. He doesn't act at the moment. He just takes it in. And the Bible says, and they, in the 12, they went out and they went back to Beth. And then they went back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. Now the sun comes up on Sunday morning. And I want us to turn there to, back to our text in Matthew. Matthew 28, in verse 20. The Bible says, and Jesus went into the temple of God. He went back to Jerusalem. And he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. I, I, I know the Bible doesn't cover the evening of Saturday, but I think in my mind when, I, when, I, when I'm studying this, I think about Jesus laying there Saturday night before he went to bed. So when he went back, he threw them out. You know, I, I think this is probably the hard passage for those who, who preach the, the the very benign, very neutral, very lovey-dovey, never get upset about sin, Jesus, that they promote in this day and time, this modern Christianity, which is not Christianity at all, which is a watered-down humanistic idea. Jesus is not some namby-pamby guy. Jesus is very serious. Jesus is very, very deeply serious about his father's business. So when he came in on Sunday, he came in directing people out. He didn't come in and say, Excuse me, I'd like to lead you over here to the door. I need to leave. It wasn't like that. 
I can see from the scriptures, he cast them out. Do you realize he went and grabbed them by their coat and drugged them to the door and threw them out of his father's house? He cast them out. The Bible says he overthrew the tables of the money changers. That means Jesus walked over and grabbed one side and went, Flip! and there it went. Money went everywhere. Somebody would have said, if some of these modern, modern, uh, wimpy idea for what Christians supposed to be would have seen that, they'd have said, Jesus, you're not acting like yourself. What are you doing? That's not how you're supposed to be. That's so unchristlike for you to do that. That's the modern idea. No, God had enough. Sometimes God gets enough. You know, one time when God got enough, he opened up the ground and let it swallow up some people. You know, when God got enough, he opened the sea and he slammed it back shut on the bunch of soldiers. And someday he's going to come back and slay so many people that the, the valley's going to be full of blood up to the horse's bridle. I mean, God gets enough. Who is this, Jesus? Who is he? I tell you what, somebody you don't want to mess with. Oh, he's a savior. He, he died on the cross, and yes, he, he's loving, and yes, he'll give us salvation. But if you meet somebody you don't want to mess with, the Bible said he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold us. So I want you to get this idea in your mind. Here comes Jesus walking into the temple on Sunday, and he's walking with a quick pace. And he walks over and he grabs those guys and he starts dragging them by their clothes and he throws them out the door of the temple. He goes and gets another one and he goes and gets another one and he goes and gets another one. And he's throwing them out the door and he's flipping their tables over and money's flying all over the floor and you get corn dangling everywhere. And then he goes and grabs the guys who's got the dubs and I see birds just flapping and flying everywhere all through the temple and these guys holler and Jesus is running them out. He's had enough. And he said unto them, listen, he's quoting Old Testament when he says this. It is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but she have made it a den of thieves. You say, what's he, what's he quoting there? Well, let's see. I'm trying to find my text here. It's in Jeremiah. It's in Jeremiah. Let me get over there and find it. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. You say, why did you just walk in and walk around? Why? He said, because I have seen it, saith the Lord. He's fulfilling every detail of Scripture. Every single letter is fulfilled. That's why he didn't do anything on Saturday. He just saw it. He walked around and looked at it, and then he came back. And then he dealt with it. What else did he do while he was in there that day? The Bible says, and the blind and the lame came to him. Now, why would the blind and the lame come to him? I mean, he's in there tearing up everything. Why? Because they realize. You know what? He's blind. can't see the eyes, but your other senses are a whole lot more high. And even the blind man could see that the way things were run in the temple was not dark. 
Oh, here's what they say. Hearest thou what these say? You hear these people? And here's what he said. He said, yeah, have you never read? And that's in, this is Psalm 82, by the way. He said, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and suckers? Thou hast perfected the It's not you high-minded, liberal, degree-holding professors of theology who've done who've done written God out of your minds because you're so smart. No, these children who follow me willingly, obediently, lovingly, worshipfully. These are the real ones. <clears throat> the Bible says he, he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. He went back to Bethany. All right. So that 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 happened on Sunday. Okay? So Sunday passes by, he, he heals those people, he's turned over the tables and all that. He's confronted the priest, and now he goes back to Mary Martha and Lazarus' house. And the next, and so the cleansing of the temple took place. And why? Because God is full of indignation against those who love his church. I know it was a temple. I know, I know it wasn't a church, but it was the temple. And those who corrupted his temple, those who corrupted his truth, God is full of indignation. He's, a, he's, he's a full of indignation the same way towards a corrupted apostate church in this day and time that we live in. God is so sick of those who try to embrace sodomites in the church. He's so sick to death of those who try their best to embrace women preachers in the church. And those who, who embrace every political ideology in the church and try to build a religion out of it. God is sick to death of those preachers who try to make a mockery of Christianity by promise of health and wealth if you follow Christ. Those who try to who try to uh, milk their congregation saying, send your seed offering and God will send you thousands of dollars in the mail or, 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 or whatever it may be who, who come out with these false claims of miracle works. Listen, God is sick to death of it. God is sick to death of dead, dry nothingness in Christianity. So Jesus went back. But I want to, I want to focus our attention on something else that occurred on Sunday. And that was the picture. Now I want you to look over on the next, I want you to look in chapter uh, chapter 21 of Matthew in verse 18. Now we've come to Sunday morning. Okay? Now you say, well, what have we done Sunday? Just a minute ago. Well, we're going to look at something else that happened on Sunday morning. All right? So it said, now in the morning. Now, see, if you're reading this, this is what I meant earlier when I said, if you read Matthew's account and Mark's account, you can get mixed up on when what happened. Okay? So, because... When you read in verse 12, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought the temple. And then when you get down to verse 18, it says, Now in the morning, as he retired into the city. Okay, but I want you to realize this is not talking about the next day. It's talking about earlier that day. It says, Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. 
So Jesus is hungry. They're coming into the city, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, off in the distance there's a fig tree growing, and he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now let's just turn to Mark. Turn over to Mark. We're going to look at Mark's account as well. The Bible says there in verse 12, chapter 11 of Mark, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto them, No man includes thee hereafter forever in his sight of earth. Now, you know what jumped out of him? Nothing but leaves. Now, I want you to know something about this big tree. This big tree is symbolic. This big tree, in a way, is symbolic of Israel. God refers to Israel as a vine, and sometimes God refers to Israel as a fig tree in several scriptures throughout the Bible and prophecy. But what does the fig tree represent here? It rep- this barren fig tree represents Israel rejecting Christ. They had no fruit. Israel as a fig tree had no fruit. Just leaves. Oh, they had religion. They had all that. They had all the priests and the Pharisees and the temple and all that. They had a showing that they had religion, but they were godless. That's what he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's, that's a fig tree with, with, with leaves with no fruit on it. See, I mean, God demands that we have fruit. He does. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I mean, I, I think we know what it says, but I'm going to read it anyway. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. So if we have the Spirit of God living within us, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's a God thing. That's God's love. That's joy. Joy only comes from God. Peace. That only comes from the Prince of Peace. Long-suffering, the ability to, 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 to allow somebody, give grace to somebody when they don't deserve it. That's long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, all of these are things that come from God. Meekness, temperance, ability to control ourselves. Against us, there is no law. And the Bible says that that's the fruit of the Spirit. But again, a believer is to have those things in his life where Christ is. Those things will be present. You say all the time and full force all the time. Not all the time. Surely our flesh gets in the way at times. But we are to have those things in us. Amen? All right. So when Christ came upon this fig tree and it was barren and he was hungry, it was represented that he desired that there was fruit. Why do you think he wept the day before? Because there was no fruit. He's symbolically showing them what happens when they are not going to receive him. There is no fruit. So he cursed it. What happens when somebody dies without him? The curse of God is upon them and they go to a place of unending suffering. A place of torment forevermore. The curse of God is upon them. It's so picturesque. It's so symbolic. Nothing but leaves. All for show. It's just going through the motions and pretending. Going through the motions, pretending 
to, to be something that they're not, having a form of religion just to please people. All for show, nothing but leaves. You know, that's misleading. That's misleading. I wish they'd just be honest and say, hey, I don't believe in God at all. Or I believe that God exists, but I ain't going to have anything to do with it. Why not? They saw these people uh, walking around with a little black collar around the neck and, 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 and pretending to be uh, some holy father or something. Leading them right down to hell. There's so many people out there who preach a false gospel who are just leading people right down to hell. They're, they got nothing but leads. So many people today have a they have they have a, what I call plastic dashboard Jesus in their life, but they don't have the real Jesus. They have a form of a Jesus, but he's not the one of the Bible. They got nothing but leads. Nothing but leads. They have a false hope. You know that? They have a false hope. They got green leaves on them. They say, look at me. Look at all my good works. Look at all the things I'm doing. I'm helping the community. I'm 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 loving all these sodomites. And I I am listen, I'm just I just I'm I don't think we ought to I don't think we ought to be ugly to anybody and they just love on them and, 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 and live and live amongst them and have them for friends and buddies and everything else. And they call themselves Christ like. Listen, Jesus, here's the thing. People say to me, you know, if I believe in Jesus every day, I believe he's going to bars, and I think he's just going to honk talks and, and Jesus and you know, amongst all the. Well, you know what? He went amongst all the people. Jesus didn't go power around the world this. Jesus went to the world. He didn't go They couldn't say that. I'll tell you something, there's a lot of folks today that's just as worldly as worldly can be. They lay out the scene, preaching the fair, I want to say. And I'll tell you, I'm afraid if we're not careful, we're going to wind up right there with them. Because the influence of this world is so powerful upon us. We have got to guard our Christianity. We've got to guard our life. We've got to guard our walk with God, our relationship with Christ. Because this world wants to get rid of your faith. This world wants to destroy and make you nothing. They want to defeat you. I'll tell you something. I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful I know that I'm saved. I'm thankful that I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, he looked on that fig tree and he said, there's nothing here but leaves. It's cursed. I don't, I'm thankful God's curse won't ever be on me because I have Jesus. Amen. And what happened to it when he cursed it? It withered. That's what the Bible says. It says it withered. If I look back to our text this morning, over in Matthew, The Bible says there in, in, in verse 19 and following, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on me henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And the disciples said, How soon? How soon is the fig tree withered away? Well, how soon did it wither away? Well, let's look in our, in our text in Mark. Let's turn back. We see in Mark after that. We see that Jesus purified the temple. But let's look down. Let's look down a little further down here in verse 19. 
The Bible says, and when evening was come, he went out of the city. That's after he cleansed the temple. So on Monday morning, verse 20 says, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. It dried from the roots up. You know what that made me think of? Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He said he shall be. If he did he'll be like a tree. For this big tree grew up, dried up from the roots up. I thought about what Jesus said over in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If any man abide in me, he shall bear fruit, right? What did he say? Without me, you'll dry up. You'll be gone. I think about this, the farmer that sowed his seed. And when the roots didn't take hold, what happened? It dried up. You know what? If you're not rooted in Christ, you're going to dry up. I'm going to tell you something. It'll happen quickly. It happened quickly with this food tree. You know what? When, here's what I'm trying to say to you. Quickly, when? When God says, okay, that's enough. I'm going to tell you, there, there's people listening to me right now. Very well listening to me right now. And God has been dealing with them. God has been dealing with them. And he's been trying to trouble their heart and show them that they're lost in their sins and they need him. And he's been working with them and dealing with them and dealing with them. But his patience is running out. And there's going to come a time when God's going to say, that's enough. My spirit is man. And he's done. And when God pulls his hand back, there is no more hope. There is no more hope. So when he's dealing with you, take hold of his hand. Right before we begin, I know it didn't record this morning, but I sang a song. It's called When He Offers His Hand. Don't turn him away. He will. He's not, listen, once he's gone, he's not coming back this week. It'll be quick. It'll be permanent. And there won't be no second chance. It'll be from the roots. It'll be from the roots. I thought it was over in June as well. I'm going to read that to you. Over in Jude, verse 12. It talks about these false teachers that Jude is warning about. He says they are spots in your feast of charity. That means they're there. They show up at church. They come to the fellowship meal. They come to communion with you. He said when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Why? They don't fear God. Clouds are they without water. They look like they're full of rain. They look like they got something. They ain't got nothing. Carried about with the wind. 
trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. You see that? Without fruit. Plucked up by the roots. Why? Because it's dry. False teachers. He says they're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all that are ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and with all their hard speeches. These are murmurs. With their mouths They're religious big shots. But beloved, remember ye the words which are spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, who told how they told you there should be mockers in the last time who would walk after their own ungodly lust. They do what they want to do. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. Now I I preached that before, and when I said sensual, I, I, I said they were led by lust. But that's, and that's, that's true to a degree. But I don't want you to think that it's, it's a sexual thing. It, it's, it means that they're led by their natural senses and their natural reasons. They think they're okay. They think they're all right with God. They think they've done enough good. They think their works are going to get them into heaven. They think they know more than the Bible does. They think they know more than the believer does. And they are dried up. They got wings. They got no food. And they're going dried up and they're cursed. <laughs> they're cursed. Who is this Jesus? Oh, he's somebody you better know. He's somebody you better worship. He's somebody you better you better come to and say, Lord, I need you to wash my sins. I want us to turn one more time back to our text in Matthew. Now, Jesus had just dealt with this fig tree. The Bible said, verse 20, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon the fig tree withered away. And Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto them, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, it shall, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believe, ye shall believe. Now, he said that in relation to this tree. Because again, this tree represents someone who thinks they have what they need. They, uh, oh, I'm, I'm green. I'm, I got leaves on me. I look pretty, yeah, from a distance. But when they get up on you, they realize it's just for show. It's not real. There's no substance. There's no fruit. There's nothing to benefit anybody else. Jesus said, "Listen." If you have faith, you get 
doubt not. Guess what you'll have? Fruit. That's what he's saying. If you have faith in what? In me. If you believe that I am able to do all things, if you believe that I am the Prince of Peace, if you believe that I am the Lord of Lords, if you believe that I am the God of mercy, if you believe that I'm, I am the source of all comfort, if you believe that through me you can have my power and you can do the things that I do, if you believe, you have faith, and you don't doubt me, he said, in all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, there's the key, you shall receive. Now, that word believing is key. First of all, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. Well, well, uh, well let's see what it says. First of all, whatsoever things you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Well, there's some things you need to ask yourself when you look at this verse. Whatever I'm asking in prayer, can I pray for things that I shouldn't pray for? Sure you can. People do it all the time. People pray, God, let me win the lottery. Does that mean that that's what God wants you to pray for? No. People pray for all kinds of things. But here's the thing. Is it in God's will? The thing you're asking for, is it in God's will? Why is that important? Because we're coming to Christ. We're asking in his name. Look at me. Listen to me. When we're praying and we're asking in Jesus' name, what are we saying? We're saying, Jesus, for you, for you, I'm asking for this. I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking this for you because I want to ultimately glorify you. That's the purpose of me breathing the air and my heart continuing to pump blood through my vessels and arteries. Why? To live to give you glory. So I want these things for you. I need this power for you. I want to live for you. I want to bear fruit for you. And what happens when you do that? You get the opposite of a cursing. You get the blessing of God. Is it in God's will if you're asking for? I keep asking and asking and asking, and I don't get an answer. I've asked for a long, 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 long time. Is it in God's will? Could be, may not be God's will. Could be God's trying to tell you, this is not what I want for you. May I ask you this? Is it a selfish request? That's something else you need to ask yourself. I've been praying and praying, but I didn't get an answer. Are you asking for God's will to be done? Are you asking for your will? Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for God? Are you doing it so people look at you and say, oh, aren't you a wonderful person? Are you doing it so people will look and say, praise God. It's God working through that person. Listen, people say, listen when, you, when you serve God and you preach the word of God and when you, when you tell the truth, there are people, people come up to you and they say, oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. I hate that. I'm nothing. I'm just a, I'm just a vessel. I'm no different than a plastic cup. God pours his grace in me, and I pour it back, I pour it back out. He pours his truth in me, and I pour it back out. That's all I am as a vessel. 
I don't want the glory. I don't want somebody telling me how great I am. I know better. We need to make sure we're not doing things for selfish reasons. And one more thing, he says, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. Believing you shall receive. Let me ask you something. Are you confident in what you're asking for? If you're asking for something for the glory of God, you can be confident. If it's for God's glory and not for your own, if it's for God's will to be done, if it's for Christ's kingdom to be built, if it is for the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have confidence. Who is this? It's Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the master, and he's not going to tolerate things being the way they are for long. When he looks down at his church today, he's not happy. He's not happy with the way things are. He's not happy with the, the lack of concern amongst people in churches today. He's not happy with the fact that we're so silent while they murder babies in our country every day. He's not happy. He's not happy with the way people treat each other in America. He's not happy with the way Christians treat other people. He's not happy with the way we, we, we cater to our own flesh and while people around us who need him do without. He's not happy. And I don't want God, I don't want to curse on my life. See? When I'm not walking with God and I'm not following his will, and when I am not allowing the Spirit of God to work through my life, my flesh is in control of the will. And while my flesh is in control of the will of my life, I can't expect God's blessing. All I can expect is is, is cursing God here in God's will. All I can expect is things to crumble until I get where God wants me to go. You say, well, don't bad things happen to good people? Oh, yes, they do. Look at the Bible. Look at God's disciples. Look at what happened. Yes, bad things happen to good people. But I can tell you this. Read their word. They praised God through it all. They gave him the glory. They said, this is my cup. i got to drink it. This is what God's put before me. I've got to go through it. He'll give me grace and mercy and peace to get through it. And God will. Who is He's who you need. He's all you need. He's only what you need. And so I say, I say this morning to the brothers who may have tuned in, who may be looking for a church home somewhere. Maybe you, maybe you just got saved. Maybe you haven't been saved long. You're looking for a place to go. Find a place that lines up with this book. Find a place where the love of Christ is felt. Find a place where they're not out to try to make money off of people. Find a place where God is glorified. I say to the one this morning who's, who's lost in their sin without Jesus, he is all you need. He is who he said he was. He fulfilled all of the call of the prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He died for our sins. He paid the price. For our sins, they're paid for. It's the gift of God. He wants to give it to you today. He'll give you salvation. He'll save you from your sins. 
you got to come to him. You've got to come to him and you've got to turn yourself over to him. You've got to repent of your way. You've got to be willing to turn from your sins. And I say willing. And I say that because we don't have the power to turn from your sins. That's what God requires. God doesn't require that we turn from our sins. God is simply requires that we are willing to turn from our sins. And he will give us the power to do so as we walk. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, and thou shalt be saved. Believe. The Bible says that and as many as are seen, to them gave me power to become the sons of God, which is many believe on his name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for who he is. We thank you for who he was and who he is and who he always will be. We're thankful this morning that you're all powerful, you're all present, you're all knowing. There's nothing in our life you can't handle. There's nothing we'll face that you can't take us through and get us through. And and, and Lord, allow us to be victors over all our enemies. Lord, you're able to move mountains in our life. Lord, we're, we're able to to go through things we don't think we can endure. And Lord, we can walk over things we don't, we don't believe we can until we put our eyes on you and we trust you. Father, I pray, Lord, for each and every one of them, the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, for, for those who are, who are desperately in need of you. I pray, Lord, they come to you and believe on you and trust you as, as their Savior. I pray for the ones, Lord, who, who maybe they just, they never really understood that they're supposed to live for you. Maybe they, they, they believed on you and they trust you to save them, but they don't know how to walk with you. I pray for them that they'll find a good Bible-believing church, they'll get in it, and they'll follow you and love and help and serve others for Christ's sake. Father, I pray for those, Lord, who are, who are disobedient to you and they, they try to build their self-little kingdoms down here and they, and they corrupt as you serve Father, I pray for them that they repent. And they turn back to you in honesty and sincerity. Father, please, us now as we walk through this world, we love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. We thank you for being our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.